With traffic, errands, and parking, cars can be a chore. But a great car can be an adventure, a getaway, and a prized possession. Whatever your budget or family require, there's a car out there you'll love. We're here to help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Hey, it's Friday. Happy Friday. Yeah, it, it felt was like great. a long week to me for some reason. Did I it? think I think it's because you and I were gone all last week. And oh, so this sure. week has been massive catch up week. Yeah, the emails, the catch up on the emails and, has and, been and editorial as well. Because you and I were at look. I, trust me. By the way, I'm not complaining when I say <laughs> any of the above. I'm just I'm just updating. We were at the Toyota launch locally, which was great. And then we were way. back for like yeah, not at that for like 36 hours. And then we were doing Spec Racer Fords three days of racing in Spec yeah. Racer Fords. Which has changed the whole way I look at the world, I have to admit. <laughs> it's cool. Uh, I want to do full throttle all the time. It can't. So anyway, well, so we've been doing catch-up this week. Do, do the rest of you draw the racing line with your eyes through the corner when you're leaving the grocery store? Yes. But then you think, ooh, I've got stuff in the trunk. I can't take it quite as hard as I should. <laughs> and then you just creep, but you're still on the racing line. Do, does everybody else do this too? My son knows. My son knows. Like, don't. Not too if, fast. I've got we, stuff in the trunk. If we go get takeout, cause, and you know the on-ramp I'm talking about oh, yes. out, of, out of Kimball Junction. Uh-huh. Here, yeah, yeah. If we go get takeout, he knows his job is hang on to the food. <laughs> he knows this by he now? He knows this. I put the food on the floorboard at his feet, and he hangs on to the bag because things are going <laughs> to fall over. This hasn't come out of experience of, of no, having No, I got ahead of it. I got ahead of it. Okay. Because right. the reason it, it came out of that is because I had plenty of times when I had to hold the bag. <laughs> you know, now now I've got somebody riding gotta shotgun. Make sure to not drink water when I you guess so, he's riding shotgun, and his job is to hold the bag. You reach over, downshift, grab the bag of food, seriously, nail the apex, mm-hmm. and then you're out. This all does come actually from the fact that I did have a nasty food spill in the FRS, and I'd had it about a month. Oh, really? Yes. What kind of food? I don't even remember, but it, it was doesn't nasty. Matter. So I just was like, okay, that note to self: hold the takeout bag. Unbelievable. And that is part of his job. I so told you my good. brother-in-law spilled Indian food in the expedition. Yes. It went down through the holes of the perforated seats. It went yeah. all like right down in there. Well, but I've I've told the story before about it, the, that's just like burn the seats, like my, replace the seats. My wife, <laughs> in fact, I should I should have put this in one of the long-term updates. I, I don't think I did. My wife had one of those huge like big gulp style cups. We hadn't oh, had the, the, no. the cayenne all that long, and oh. it was full. Oh, and my son was much younger, and he knocked it over, and it oh went gosh. full. Into the driver's seat, right down to the little to the, perforations, to the point that it made a puddle of oh, soda in the driver's oh. seat that then drained through. By the time I got around there with a towel, <laughs> through all the electronics, through everything, Yikes. the fact that that seat works to this day is like the best endorsement for that car I can come up with. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. I was over there like like some crazy dog shoveling liquid out of the seat back over my shoulder, <laughs> like trying desperately scooping liquid with your hand out to of the not seat. get the entire. But it went through the entire constants, and and the seat continues to work. This is what happens Fantastic. when you have cars and life and kids and welcome to the podcast fantastic well speaking of the tv season this saturday so tomorrow as of this recording is a rerun from season five episode two it's called no minivans and it includes the kia telluride the mazda cx-9 and the honda pilot which were three well talked about and still well discussed guys we're tired of the big Suburbans and the big stuff, mm-hmm, but we don't mm-hmm. want a minivan. Yep. What's in between? And this is the sweet spot for the the type of SUV that a lot of people are buying. Absolutely. Still yep. very relevant. Yep, so yep. it can be found on Amazon Prime on season five, but it's also rerunning on Motor Trend Cable mm-hmm. Channel as well. For sure. And it's one of those things that we rerun a piece when we find a lot of response to it because it resonates yeah. to the buying public. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so when, sure. when you hear us you know, reruns, sure, we want to do the fun stuff too. 
But if it resonates and you guys respond, which you are, Mm -hmm. thank you very much. And huge thanks to our TV sponsors. Covercraft is the title sponsor and Griot's Garage and Haggerty, the folks at Haggerty, too. So really, really appreciate all their endorsements. And we feel like uh, we've joined three families, which is fun. It's very cool. Yeah. So some good news here, guys, about the Honda Civic Type R. You know how I've been talking about the Sawzall? Yes, I know. A lot. Yeah. Or, or a, you know, you, any cutting tool. You love recommending that car and following it up with, just take the wing off. As a matter of fact, Honda, I don't know if you're listening. They I, did a volume knob and really wanted us to listen to the I vo- agree. To, to, to interact with the volume knob. They did the volume knob. Mm-hmm. We're, so, I mean, we're not the only ones that say I, this stuff, but they clearly have heard. I, I, I could be wrong. But they have introduced the Civic Type R Sportline. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it's only available in, in Europe only. That's why I don't think it matters for us. But yeah. But at least they did. Mm-hmm. It has a lower rear spoiler. They've deleted the red interior accents. It has 19-inch wheels, which means they've gone down a size. So it's That's a little bit more comfortable. Mm-hmm. And it's, upgraded it, brakes and extra soundproofing. It's the Honda Civic Type R equivalent to the old Mitsubishi Evo MR. Yes. This is the car that we keep dreaming of and imagining. So Honda, again, if you're listening, there's folks in the U.S. who would like to buy this car that don't Agreed. want the wing. Agreed. They're fine with the styling because you buy a Civic Si, it's kind of the same styling. Absolutely it is. Yeah, so yeah. they're fine yeah, with yeah. all that. But if we had a lower rear wing and it was just a tiny bit more more comfortable, I think there is a market for that. Because well, they're not allowing that Civic Type R nomenclature to Acura. They're not letting mm-hmm, it out. Mm-hmm. It's just that. So... This is a good case for this car. Well, and it, it, the same reason that the Evo MR sold, because it for is, sure, for sure, you can be a businessman in a staid line of work, and mm-hmm. now drive this hot car, and everybody in the parking lot doesn't think you're a teenager pulling into the office. Okay, now I don't really care. I, I'm the oddball anyway, but I understand that I am also not normal. So in general, in general, plus I, plus, look at me. I, I clearly did not wind up. I mean, hair alone. I clearly did not wind up in a staid line of work. So so this is the reason it works for me. If you're a, a lawyer sure. or you pull into a, a normal office you know, park, that kind of thing, I understand that sometimes that perception is a big deal. But this is where that Evo MR and this Civic is great. And I do think it should come to the U.S. It'd be awesome. This is the only time you get that car in gray is for this this, this situation. (laughs) And it's in gray. Yes. It's just invisible. I mean, so now we can say the size of your driving enthusiasm is measured by the size of your wing or the height of your wing. It isn't. It really isn't. No? They're not correlated? Mm -hmm. All right. Well, so, uh, yeah, we're excited about that, even though Europe only. But, you know, maybe one day we'll get to sample that. We hope that when things come to Europe, they also come here. We're working on that. for sure. We keep asking manufacturers these questions. Also, a piece of good news. Mm. Maserati is going to be on everybody's minds from here on out. One way or another. They have announced the name of their new sports car. It is called the MC20. Mm -hmm. Stands for Maserati Corsa, which means Maserati Racing 20. Mm. So, year 2020. I don't love that they... Came out with alphanumeric something. It's well, remember the MC12 that was the Invo in, in a suit? Very true. Yeah. It was also, you know, that way. So they do have, you know, a, a lineage there yeah, they yeah, can yeah. look back on. And it says it's debuting in May 2020. Of mm-hmm. course, we'll be talking more about that. But just from what I've seen, it's like, well, Alpha's done making the 4C. Let's turn it into a Maserati and make it a little totally. bit bigger. Let's widen that. Let's change that. Put a new powertrain in it. Does this mean they're returning to motorsports? And they said a name. Fueled by passion. MC20, is it passion? Well, but isn't it the, what is it? It's the Sportiva? 
which just means sporty. They do have the classic Quattroporte style name that goes with it. It's just like Sportiva. Maybe it's just Sportiva or whatever yeah. that is. Sure. Yay. It looks like a cross. Look, we've only seen, you know, spy rendering kind of things, which isn't even a spy photo, by the way. That's a rendering. You've seen the yes. swirly photos, too. Yes. This looks to be a cross between the 4C and the old uh, Ferrari 430. Okay. In size. Fine by that. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds delightful. The Sportiva. It's the Maserati Sporty. They continue (laughs) with the tradition. The Levante is raised. Seriously? The Ghibli is. I don't know. I don't know. It's, what oh, that it's is. a wind, right, or something like yeah, that. It's yeah, Spanish it's a Spanish wind or something. It, it's, a, it's a fart. I hate to say it. <laughs> and then there's the Quattroporte, and now there's the Sporty. Hey, I, I, my Maserati love has grown, even though I don't like everything, Levante. Uh-huh. But my Maserati love has grown, and all this means is every enthusiast is going to suddenly say, "What? What's this now? I should like them again." Yeah. I'm waving the Maserati flag over here, everybody. Follow me. What I'm excited about is you sharing the startup procedure of your Maserati because it is, <laughs> it's like an auditory moment of terror. Oh, I'm going to. It's I still need to film fun. that. It's going to happen. And, and the, the noises, it's like being in a factory when the machine chews a piece of clothing <laughs> and it all goes wrong and you have to hit the big red stop button. It is like That's that. That's startup yeah. on the car. You almost need a big red start button on the wall because it's terrifying. Just, yeah. It's like the fuel shutoff, emergency fuel shutoff at the gas station. Like you're running. It, it's a near explosion. Dive for oh. the red button. Yikes. We have a cool <laughs> podcast coming this, this evening. Uh, we've got Michael writing to us from Knoxville. He has help. I drive a Nissan Versa, so we'll talk about that. We also have another car debate coming from Deep, writing to us in California. He's uh, he's looking for that kind of balance of parenting and other things. We've had a good trend of those discussions going on, plus many, many questions on the way. Cars are made to be driven, and we can't imagine a future without getting to drive and driving cars we love. The folks at Haggerty feel the same way, and that's why they support this show. One of the many things Haggerty offers for people who love cars is insurance for the enthusiast vehicle. That can be almost anything, from classic cars to trucks and motorcycles, newer collectibles, and even boats. They protect race vehicles off the track, and they can even insure vehicles on the track for high-performance driving events and track days. In fact, we use Haggerty Track Day Insurance every time we drive either the Cayman or the Elise, or both, on our local track, and it adds a huge peace of mind for us. You can learn more about Haggerty and quote insurance at haggerty.com slash everyday. Michael has a great story. Well, he says he's 34 years old, married with two kids, one-year-old daughter and two-year-old son. Congratulations on your growing family, Michael. He drives a 2009 Nissan Versa S hatchback. This is a 1.8-liter monster, not really, six-manual transmission, six-speed manual, with almost 190,000 miles, which he bought new. So he's had it for, what, 11 years that's a lot of miles in that car. Okay, Since he's yeah. bought the car, he's had two kids. His wife quit her job. He took a $20,000 pay cut to transfer to Knoxville from South Florida. And so his budget to buy something fun is approximately negative. <laughs> so therefore, he wrote to the right couple of guys yeah, to I, spend sorry. his money. I, I'm not sure <clears> we <throat> could help you, Michael, but we'll, we'll, give, it, we'll give it a shot. Yeah. <laughs> he says he wants a BRZ or Toyota 86, but there's no way he can even afford or justify even a badly used one. That's true. They are, they are, de- they are above nothing. They are officially. <laughs> above nothing actually to i could pay you with meatballs how does that sound <laughs> to to michael's credit he eventually digs up a budget and says that it's roughly three thousand dollars so we, this which is we've, something we've argued about the five thousand dollar car before whether or not that's valid that's like that's like high living for michael we're, hey, going, we're talking three michael i just took your email as guys get even more creative mm-hmm. instead of five thousand you're down to three Oof. so get creative can i interest, interest you in a go-kart <laughs> <laughs> oh look at atv <laughs> sorry 
I, I think I might have found a few things for I've him. I've got a few as well, yeah. All right. So his plan is to buy something very cheap a couple of years from now, probably something that's too cheap to be reliable, but keep the Versa so when one of his cars is broken, he can drive the other one. Mm-hmm. Fix the broken one. Hey. It's car rotation. I was Cars doing that for yard. a while earlier that year. Which one runs? Year. Yeah, exactly. That Which one. one am I taking? My, my, that's, I'll tell you, when that really goes wrong, Michael, is when your wife comes to you mm. and she says, which car am I taking? Because she knows that there's something <laughs> oh, wrong with all of them. Oh, I've had that conversation more than oh, once this bad. year. Yeah. And it is, it's this, it's, and the sigh is not frustrated. The sigh is, I'm trying to be tolerant because I love you. That's the sigh <laughs> followed by which car now. am I taking? Yeah, that you don't want that. That's all bad. So Michael loves the slow car fast philosophy. He says he doesn't like convertibles and needs a clutch pedal. And with this Versa, he has become quite accustomed to driving 10 tenths everywhere. <laughs> Yeah. Because he's almost never driven a fast car. I love it. I love it. Yeah. He gets speeding tickets all the time, if in case that question came up in your mind. He even got one when someone else sped past him while he was doing the speed limit. Mm-hmm. That Versa S. <laughs> that Versa. You're just a lawbreaker in is that Is it a Versa color? Because I don't even know. I, why do you pull over the Versa? <laughs> I, I don't get it. I, I mean, don't get it. Okay. Versa right. 90. Like, okay, I guess we have to pull you over. But Versa? You want to pull you want to pull racer. that guy over just to congratulate him. Good job on getting that car that fast. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So he would prefer rear-wheel drive over front-wheel drive hatch because he's got one. So mm-hmm. the question is, what are the cheapest and most fun rear-wheel drive cars out there? Wow. Most of those are racing in a series called Lemons Racing, Michael. <laughs> they're currently on track because they're yeah. cheap, yeah. like 300 ZXs and... They're currently there. Mm-hmm. All right. So he doesn't worry about keeping it running. He says, as long as parts are not too expensive, if the engine explodes, he's not too afraid to swap the engine himself. Okay. So his tragic car history includes an 01 Daiwu Lano sedan. Hmm. Uh, honestly, when I first hmm. read that, I had to go back and go, no, that is still English. That's right. That, that did actually happen Daewoo in this La- country. Daiwu yeah. Lanos? All right. Yeah. So he also had a 95 Acura Integra GSR. That's, That's a cool, cool car. That's very cool. Yeah. All right. He says the car was excellent, but he didn't like having to hit 7,000 RPM to get to the power. And then he had it, you know, before it was stolen. Mm-hmm. Feel your pain. And now the Versa S hatchback. Very cheap. He says he's hooned around in this car. He's done all kinds of stuff to this car. What he's I love about this is, is he's parts. taken a Versa, which let's be honest, nobody ever bought a Versa and thought <laughs> this is the ultimate hoon Pour money at this thing. And he has thrown stuff at this with with parts for struts and braces and steel stainless steel brake lines and a heavy duty mass flywheel, uh, sorry heavy dual mass flywheel, lightweight aluminum flywheel. He's just uh, oh. I, I, it goes on and on. Michael, and, I didn't know performance car parts were made for verses. Yeah. I didn't know that. He, the reason he's willing to take an engine out is because he's redone motor mounts on this thing and hydraulic components. I mean, honestly, honestly, I mean, look, I, here's some after-the-fact tough love for you, Michael. If you hadn't spent so much money on the Versa, you'd have more for the next better fun <laughs> thing. But the funny part here is his son. Mm-hmm. His son, this is hysterical. And, and, and here's, I go on a tangent of my own here in a second, but his two-year-old son loves this Versa. Which when is awesome. When it's not in the driveway, he wonders what's happened. And Michael said, generally because it's in the garage because it's broken. But he, he just wants to go on a car wide. He wants to go on a car wide all the time. That's so funny. So he's very excited about it. So he's worried about what happens if, uh, if the Versa goes. I, I'll tell you this, and I made this mistake. When I sold the 92X, mm. okay, my son was three, four years old. Okay. 
he liked that car, but I didn't realize how much he liked that car. Hmm. And so when it was sold and it backed off our driveway, he lost his mind. Really? He broke down completely because he didn't feel like he'd, he hadn't put together the reality of the fact that when it drives off the driveway right now, it never comes back. And that dawned on him as it left. Oh, no. And it really broke his little heart. And Poor I guy. learned from that. Oh. So when I was getting ready to sell the FRS, we took an afternoon. We That's just cool. went and drove in that car, and I got pictures with him in it. I got him in the driver's seat, the passenger seat. I just we took time. Did and that change things when it went away? Completely, and and to the point that I that I explained to him when we, when we were done, I was like, "Are you good? Have you had enough time?" Mm-hmm. And he was intellectually obviously he was older. He intellectually understood better. He knew we were getting something else. All of this was happening. Okay, he knew I was chasing a lotus. So all of this stuff helped, of course. But I'm still learning because the Lancer is broken. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. But he has told me that he really wants me, and he's 10 now. He really wants to make sure he gets time to say goodbye to that car before it goes. It's sitting at the mechanic's lot right now covered in snow. It's going to leave me in like a week. I mean, I'm glad to hear that, but yeah, you got to. So I have to make sure I get him over oh, there to gosh. get him time with the car. My point here, Michael, is I love that your son's in love with the car. It doesn't matter what it is. It's clearly resonated with him. I didn't realize this about the 92X. Explain to your son what's going on. Make him involved in it. You'll be better off. Let's try to find you a fun car. Although that'll never happen to Michael because he's planning to give the Versa to his son in 13 years. So oh, that's, no. you know, the Versa is going to stick around. Let's put it that way. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, anyway, we'll see. All we'll right. See. So I'm they also have on that, but okay. They also have a 2016 Crosstrek Limited that he bought his wife. So brand new. So mm-hmm. she's got that. So got the family car, which is great. Now. Do the fun car. Michael's mm-hmm. driven a Jaguar XKRS, and he said it was blown away by acceleration, so he thought he wanted something fast, but his dad owns an S2000 and a Civic Type R, and he likes those, but he's thinking, do I, do I need the power? He also got to drive a Corvette around a short autocross circuit. He says that was great fun. That was the only moment in his whole life he had a chance to get the tail out on a rear-wheel drive car, and he took full advantage. Love it, love it, love it. Which brings me to C4 and C5 Corvettes. Agreed. $3,000. You yes. can have your choice. As a matter of fact, between three and four, because I consider, if you tell me it's a $3,000 car, I consider anything up to $3,999.99. Anything with a three a, in the first column. Exactly I totally right. hear you. That's very funny. So I yes. went shopping for $4,000 Corvettes. <laughs> you wrote to this podcast, Michael, just so you know. And indeed, I found a myriad of them. Mm-hmm. Some of them don't run. Some of them do. Mm-hmm. Some of them are actually, you know, just over a hundred thousand miles, and they seem great. Yeah, yeah. For yeah. like thirty five hundred bucks. Yes, yes. And as a matter of fact, one of the episodes that Todd and I have shot is called the ten thousand dollar car episode. I think yep. that was four season. Season four? four, yes. And so we compared a Corvette in it, and it was indeed a C4 Corvette that the owner bought for five grand, and he's yes. done stuff to it. Yes. He's kind of a mechanic like you, Michael, and he's kept it up, and it's the car that runs. Absolutely. It's the yeah. best car in his fleet, and he's got other cars, and yep. he says, this is my go-to car. Mm-hmm. Now, it's got you know a ding in the fiberglass, and you know it's not perfect, but when we drove it, he lent it out to us. We compared that, and we were driving yeah. it against two other $10,000 cars. Well, and also, it's, it's, in, it's in American Original. It, this, this is true. Yeah, it it's is. in American Original too. I mean, it, it, the crazy thing is, C fours were. It was a mixed range. Watch our American Original film about all of them. But those are the ones that started with the all digital dash, and it became steadily less digital over time. Uh, you can get them in all <laughs> kinds of like, variants. Let's yeah. not do you that. You can get them in all kinds of variants. But here's the thing about them: the parts are out there. The parts are cheap. Mm-hmm. Cheap power. 
yes, terrible interior, but you are coming out of a Nissan Versa. <laughs> so it's all relative. <laughs> exactly. And and that is a exactly. crazy cheap car to maintain and get a lot of horsepower and dynamics for nothing. Small block Chevy, Michael. And the thing will just run, do whatever you need to do. Easy access to the engine. I mean, have you opened a C4 hood? It's Half the car comes open. Pretty easy to get to yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. And 350 small block. The thing just makes gobs of power. It's actually a lot of fun to drive. Mm-hmm. And you said... You did. You drove the Corvette around an autocross circuit. So I read that and I thought, well, why aren't we shopping for Corvettes immediately? Agreed. Because it's on my list too. Actually, for 35, 36, 38, mm-hmm. you can get a coupe and it's going to be fine. It's going to run. Well, and here's the thing. If it doesn't run, this is the thing about it. If it doesn't run at that, at that cost, it won't be all that expensive to make it run. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Fundamentally, it's a solid chassis. And because of what you're coming out of and the fact that you buy court, I'm totally with you, Paul. That is that is one of the top of my list because I think they're just there and you could get it and be done and be happy. I have others, but that's a great one. I've got Z cars on my list. I've got Toyota MR2s on my list and also Miatas. Those cannot be overlooked. Mm-hmm. You mentioned, you know, do I need power? The Corvette solves that issue does, for you. for sure. Yeah, yeah. But if you think, you know what, I don't and I just want to do stuff to it and keep it running or maybe mm-hmm. it turns into a cool little mini, not full restoration, but kind of a mini upkeep. Little things get done here and there, but you're driving it the whole time and enjoying Mm it. Great. Otherwise, are salvage title or rebuilt title cars for you? Interesting. Are you we don't the normally talk about that. I see where you're because, going. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, you, you and I talk about it in terms of scary, avoid, don't yeah. even look at that. But maybe in this case, you could yeah. find something mm. for a whole lot less money that's newer. Yeah. I don't know what that yeah. would be. I'm, I'm just giving you an example. You know, if this car drove off the end of a dock and it's salvage title or something, mm-hmm. we towed it back up the boat ramp. <laughs> Here you go. It was full of fish, but now it's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that car is for you. Or Interesting. Something I like I totally that. get it. I totally get it. I, yeah. I kid. I, it doesn't have to go that far, mm-hmm. but for whatever it is, you know, if it's those flood-damaged cars that mm-hmm. float around for a while, or literally. <laughs> that were floating around for a while. There <laughs> I, it goes. I, I, I like well, it. That's really good. No, you didn't speak. You nailed it. Well done. <laughs> um, but something like that, because we always wonder, well, Who's buying the rebuilt title cars? Mm-hmm. If you you know this was a fifty thousand dollar car for nineteen grand, who's who's buying this? Well, there are those folks. Mm-hmm. How about at a lower level? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. what if you could find something that you don't mind working on? That all right, you don't mind if that's a little musty and you know there's a shoe over there in the corner of the car. And <laughs> who knows? <laughs> what is this nest here? Yeah, these kind of things exactly. happen. I mean, the biggest problems with with I mean, look, there are multiple potential problems with a salvage title car. For but sure. the biggest problem sure. from a, a ownership issue generally is you cannot get a loan on them. You have to pay cash. Well, at this budget point, that's not an issue. Right. And they're harder to resell later. You don't care. Right. Exactly so, And right. if it has an issue, you can fix it. Yes. I do, I do see that. There is some, some merit there. I see again, I, see I don't it. know yeah, what yeah. that would be. Mm-hmm. You, yeah, you'd yeah. have to go hunting. And, and there's various websites that specialize in the salvage title. But, you know, I spotted a Maserati Quattroporti for like seven grand. Mm. Just... Mm. You know, you could be rocking a Maserati and your neighbor's like, did you get a raise? Like, yeah. Nope, I bought a Maserati. Yeah. <laughs> it's reliable, too. <laughs> Just don't don't be here for startup. Come back exactly. after it's running. Yeah. Just duck if you hear uh-huh. the car trying to start. For sure. You know, hit the floor. Anyway, those are my choices. I, I like it. I like, you know, some of the usual suspects in there. There might be some others, but they're front-wheel drive and they're hatchy and they're mm-hmm. similar to your Versa. So I stayed Agreed. away from those. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you mentioned Miata. I think Miata is excellent. You mentioned MR2, that you're talking about the coupe generations. If you can yeah. find one, I yeah. think that's really good as well. I thought of the Spider, but of course you don't want a convertible, but the coupe ones could be good. Uh, exactly. I thought of this. 
Mm. All the cheapness you need and none of the prestige, Pontiac Fiero. <laughs> Pontiac Fiero. Did you realize the automatic in that car was a three-speed? Was it really? Yeah. I don't know that that's, that's special. A, it's a it's a choice. I don't think it's the right choice, but it did it dawn on me that you are in that world. Huh. I have a couple that I have to bring up. Yes, I already mentioned Miata because I know you don't want a convertible, but they're out there and they're cheap to run and they're super fun dynamically. A couple others, though. You mentioned Z car. You like the Z car. Go get a Z car. Yeah, it's on my list. They're out there for your budget all day long. Heck yeah. And the thing is, they made a ton of them. And now there's a spec race series, which means parts are race plentiful. Car? No, it just means oh. that parts are plentiful. Yeah, right. In the, and because there's a spec race series, that has also proven the fact that those cars are robust. You don't make spec race series out of cars that are always broken. Mm-hmm. So go get your seriously. People do. It's called lemons again. Well, but, there's that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But but I'm talking. Yeah. Anyway. So so my point here is, you get everything you've talked about, and the parts are available. I think a 350Z might be the answer here. That could be. I great. like the C4 Corvette, but the 350Z could also get that done. And then my wild card, because parts are going to be more expensive, but you can buy them for this, and they're great. Mm. Porsche 924 or 44. Hmm. You can find a 44 for, for that kind of money. You are yeah. not. Here's the thing. You're not shopping turbos. I looked today. For sure. Plenty of 924s and plenty of 944 non-turbos are available for this cost. Now, in this case, you're going to be buying a car probably from the 80s. Great. There are parts out there. The parts will be more expensive generally, but you're doing the work yourself, and you'll wind up with a great chassis. We drove a mm. 944 turbo one of mm-hmm. our early fast blasts a few years ago from a guy here in Park City. Yeah. If memory serves, he bought that car for like six grand. I mean, he put but, work into then, it. But he's it a guy fast. like you, Michael. He, he put work into it. He redid turbos. He redid lines. He created a monster. And I think he sold it for like 15. Did he really sell he it? Sold, he sold it for, he made You're profit on that car. But it was fantastic when he had it done. It was. When and we drove it, it was brilliant. Ran a so, little rich, but it did make some good power. It made some great power. <laughs> but my point is, if you buy a non-turbo there's less to break. Mm-hmm. It probably yeah. is more likely to run and keep running. Uh, I think you, I, I'm a little wild card because I think mm. the Z car or the or the Corvette are going to be cheaper to own and run. But that 944 or even 924 would be very fun. I like those choices. You made me think of the the earlier Nissan cars, like a 300ZX. Could you get a non-turbo 300ZX for something? Yes, but you can't get the good one out of the 90s. No. They're above it. Okay, so go to like 180SX or 240SX. The, if so they're not drift they're, cars. They're a little bit above it. I looked at those. Are two. they really? Yeah, they're a little bit above it. Because that would be cool. Those yeah. just dynamically, they're just so simple. Mm-hmm. Manual, they just run great. They're just dynamically so good. You'll be into drifting before you know it. The number of 370s I found for 3,500 was pages. Really? Th- th- sorry, not 370s, 350s. 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 Okay. 350s. There were pages of them. Okay, okay. $3,500. That might be your choice, Michael. Yeah. And, you know, those will just run. Thanks for your great story and the entertainment, and I uh, hope you uh, get something you do like. Write to us with your own debate, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com, and write to us your topic Tuesdays. I'm still looking for more of those, your car conclusions, your own debates with stories, whatever that is, and uh, drop us a line as well. Really appreciate it. When we're searching for cars for this show or for our own crazy obsession, our searches always start with Auto Tempest. Instead of searching each car site separately, you can enter all your parameters into Auto Tempest one time and search them all at once. With Auto Tempest, you can enter your search one time and see results from Cars.com, TrueCar, eBay, and many more. Or you can jump to Craigslist, AutoTrader, or CarGurus without entering anything new. They just added a link to Facebook Marketplace too. 
Auto Tempest can help you find your next new or used car. If there's a dozen in your neighborhood or two in the entire country, So if you're doing your drive homework, you're chasing your dream car, or just looking to feed the disease as we always are, head to autotempest.com. All the cars, one search. Deep in California writes to us. He says, love the podcast. He had posted this on Instagram. So now here he is writing to us an official debate. Love it. Thank you for that. Deep, thank you for writing in. Really appreciate it. He's looking to replace his Stage 2 tuned two-door Mark VI GTI. It's a manual. He says, I need something more practical. Car is fun, okay. but the commute has tripled up lately, and it's getting really tiring to drive every day. Now, he's out in California in the Bay Area, and he says it's about the typical Bay Area traffic. He usually ends up driving and crawling along more than an hour to cover 20 miles. Wow, not fun with a jumpy and heavy stage two clutch. Yep. I can't imagine. Yeah, that's, that's tough. Wow. All right. Car has to be manual that he needs. And it Interesting he's to be, going to commute in a manual period here. Oh, well, I, I admire you for I, that. I find that fascinating. Yeah, keep going. It needs to be fun right out of the box. He says, I'm not looking to do a whole lot of mods to it. No more race clutches. <laughs> needs to be more spacious and practical with more doors because mm-hmm. a baby is in the plans. Congratulations. Okay, all right, all right. Got a healthy budget, $45,000, and he would prefer new, but he's open to slightly used. And as I said, he's out in California, doesn't really care for all-wheel drive unless it offers him something that is beneficial or performance, something like that. Doesn't intend to make long trips. His wife's Subaru handles that duty, and this car has two jobs, commuting and canyon carving, maybe an occasional autocross. So he's been debating this for a long time. He says he's got pages, (laughs) pages in his email, 50-plus long email threads. Deep's one of those wow. guys that consults himself. <laughs> yeah. he, he he writes all his thoughts out and fires it off in an email and he reads it later. And then and now he found something else today. And then and then you please don't do this. You, you wandered on to bring a trailer today, and now your thoughts are off That's in the weeds dangerous. somewhere else. It, this is what keeps happening with Deep. Yeah, and, and it happens at work. You, you your mind wanders oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. while you're in like the the Monday morning meetings, <laughs> and about 22 minutes in, you're just like, huh? Now back to that spreadsheet. Your your one hour lunch break is now three hours because you're. St- oh wait, I'm look at this cartoon. It's all bad. It's all bad. He was tempted to go rear-wheel drive, he says, after experiencing and enjoying front-wheel drive, but he says there's very few choices which are light and fun. He mentions the Ford GT350 Mustang, but he says muscle cars are just too bulky. On top of that, he says most of them have a big compromise on space. Now, the BRZ is fun, he says the Toyota 86, but only beyond 6,000 revs. I'm with you, Deep. You've heard me. I like the small, lightweight. I do. I just need the power to go along with it. Yes, I know you do. So... He doesn't see himself going down the rabbit hole of trying to make it fast, but he doesn't want to, you know, he says, no Miata, needs rear seats. Well, see, that's the thing. He he doesn't really do it this time around. Since he doesn't want to tune the car, mm-hmm. he knows if he bought an 86 chassis, BRZ, FRS, whatever, he knows what he would do. He'd play. have to tune it. So that's yeah. why he's taking it out. Yeah. All right. Primary contenders in order are a Civic Type R. You heard they took the wing off, right, yeah, Deep? Yeah, yeah. You can right. get it now without the wing, supposedly. Yeah. I mean, if you lived in Europe, but anyway. Well, anyway. So maybe, maybe hang on, hang on, hang on. Whoa, whoa, hang on. Stop a second. Honda dealers. That's what I'm thinking. Can we get the wing? Even if we can't get everything Let's else, can we get the alt wing? It'll match the bolt pattern, and it'll cover up the holes, and it'll yeah. make the wing. Hi. That's the solve. Or or can we, look, if you really want to get the solve, I, I, I mean, obviously, I prefer the gentleman's version with the 19-inch wheels and the more sound ending. <laughs> complete but right, here's the thing right. what if what if once this car actually is released reach out to a european honda dealer and buy the part from them and have it shipped over and do a wing swap i don't see why you couldn't i don't see why you couldn't either wing anyway, swap. sorry yeah all right so 
He says he loves this car. Hatchback, brilliant ride. Yes, he can live with the looks. <laughs> you never want to tell anybody that, by the way, Deep. Ne- honey, never. Car is fine. I can live with your looks. Never, ever to <laughs> oh, a person. Oh, no. Cars are just fine. I love you. Could you live with my looks? It's, wow. Wow. It's, it's that, it doesn't matter which way that cuts. It cuts badly. Yeah. Just really to bad. The bone. All right. So he says he thinks it's more special than just an eco hatch turned hot. Okay. And you're right. That is a fair statement. Mm-hmm. It would be brilliant for your commute. The difference between comfort and sport is amazing, although it's not customizable. You can't customize true. your own settings. True, true, yeah, yeah. The difference between the two is dramatic. Mm-hmm. Now, he goes on to the Veloster N as his second choice. He says, fun, three doors, hatchback, less practical and harsher ride. A little bit. The yeah. Honda does win in that area. I'll, I'll agree to that. Much cheaper interior. I'm going to offer my thoughts on cheap versus inexpensive. They are different. Cheap feels cheap, and you know it. Then there's inexpensive, which is surprising. And Mm. you can tell that the car manufacturer really put more effort into making something cheap or inexpensive, but not making the perception of it like that. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that can be the grain, the texture, the use of materials. And that's what Hyundai has done. I never got into the Veloster N and thought, well, you know, I want to hose this out after I'm done with it kind of thing. It, it doesn't feel that way. Good it doesn't point. feel like gardening tools or whatever. It feels like, you know, <laughs> yeah. a car. Yeah, yeah. This feels like, wow, I'm getting my money's worth here yeah. and more. It, so. it definitely is is a step down interior than his than the Golfs are. And it's For sure. probably it's a slight step down from the Civic, but I actually think it's almost more in styling than anything. I think it's got it. I think it holds up pretty well. But it's, anyway, it's not that it's not enjoyable. Yeah, agreed. agreed. It's not like, agreed. wow, I'm in a race car. I guess, you know, I can just ignore it. No, yeah. it's nice. All right. So moving on to the Golf R. He says, spacious, hatchback, capable, yes, classy, all of that stuff. He says it'll need some work and tuning before it becomes fun. I agree with that. That's something we've always noted about the Golf R, trying to extract mm-hmm. that out of there, thinking, all right, you know, I want to strip away layers of sound deadening and fun deadening for who to d- get to the rawness. Yes, for who Deep is and how he wants to use this car, it is going to take a little something, just like the BRZ86 would, but we're coming from opposite ends now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. He's got a BMW M2 on the list, yes, I wouldn't say BMW maintenance is a nightmare. It's more like a mini nightmare. I, I don't know. It's but not he says quite he's never think. owned a used car. Fair. Which fair. is his concern. And I have some wild cards that are used for the same reason. He's also not sure about two doors. Now, I think it was last podcast or the one prior, we had a big discussion about two doors and kids. Absolutely doable. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. you have to dedicate yourself to doing it. And that's just For a sure. personal question. That's where the Veloster is really interesting because of the three-door idea. You can absolutely do it. I've done it. Others have done it. Two plus twos work great for this. But you have to just kind of steal yourself to this is going to happen. And so my question for you is, because this is going to be a commute and autocross car, how often does it need to dad? How often mm-hmm. is it going to need to have kids in it? If that yeah. was occasionally, then you deal with the two plus two. And we're if still pre-kids at this recording. True. But if you're going to be you're going to be the one doing the school run, then you may be like, yeah, I got to have four doors. That's an interesting mm-hmm. part of it, too. Mm-hmm. All right. So what of these cars? Oh, he's got the GTI on the list, too. But he's looking for a different experience, which yeah, that's, is fair. That's the big thing. Yeah. He's just like, I don't want another yeah. straight-up GTI. Yeah. Okay. So which of the above is the best car for him? Okay. And then do we expect dealer markups on upcoming 2020 type R's? We hope not, but I think it's very much dealer dependent. You're going to have to shop wisely. Yeah. You shop nationwide, thankfully. Yeah. All right. So yes, Honda sensing, all that stuff for the 40 mile commute. What do we think? I do love your M2 suggestion. I love the civic type R. I'm all about it. And now that Honda has solved it over all the, for Europe, (laughs) but not for 
U.S. That's on my list. Maybe you could do the wing swap, the yeah. wing solve. Yeah. If that's the case, those two at the top of my list for you, the M2 and the Civic Type R. I do like the Hyundai Veloster N, but not for, not as much for the commute. Okay? okay. All right. Why isn't the MX-5 Miata RF on your list? Is it because of size? Is it's it just no back seats. because of the size? I think it's no back seats. I think it's just he's thinking a far. You don't have okay. kids yet, by the way, Deep. I do want to remind or, you that you're pre-kids. not currently a father. Yes. But, and you can... You can put a baby in the right seat because they can't make you buy another car. I wanted to, I can't stress this enough. It's true. That does not that's not a requirement for parenthood. Okay. But I, I see I see it's it's the kid consideration. That's All right. why. All right. Well, my next suggestion is it's gonna not make as much sense for the same reason. Okay. But it's bigger. All right. And it's totally different, Deep. All right. I found you a twenty sixteen Jaguar F type S coupe with twenty thousand miles for forty three nine hundred. Oh, I like that. Manual, rear wheel drive. It's extreme sportcarsinc.com. You can look okay. it up. All right. I I liked this car. Twenty thousand yeah. yeah, yeah. miles. It looked great. It's got a red leather interior, so it's like wearing rocks, red silk boxers underneath your tuxedo. What color is it outside? It's like a well, it's gray. It's, it's like gray. This atomic. It. Okay. You're gonna try you know, to sell me gray. It's gray. Volcanic. It. Watch our ash, watch our discussion metallic. where you and I disagree on gray on our Highlander uh, piece on YouTube. Yeah, it's, it's like the. Glittery metallic just ash with flakes of mica. And Stop it. Anyway, yeah. fish scale metallic candy apple gray. Perfect. Well done. That sounds riveting. So, <laughs> I just, I like this because it's so different. And I like this because, yeah, you could commute it. And if you decide, mm-hmm. all right, manual is out, you can find plenty of them. With, sure, sure. You know, that are not manual. There's more that are not manual than are, as a matter of fact. So you could have to hunt, but otherwise, an F-Type, you're rocking a Jag. That thing looks sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. beautiful. Engine, supercharged. I love it. So that is a consideration. And then a car that you and I haven't mentioned in a long time. Okay. Mercedes GLA 45 AMGs are $25,000 They are, now. but they're not manual. They're not. They're not. That's the downside. So I do like it, though. There's no yeah. perfect one in here. The Civic Type R, mm-hmm. I mean, that's at the top of your list, but even it's not perfect, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I know the Jaguar might not quite make it, but you've got your wife's Subaru. Yeah. Lean on the Subaru more and rock a Jag. <laughs> we didn't Love mention it. how much he despises the CVT and his wife's Subaru. <laughs> there's, there's a whole separate paragraph of just CVT hate. You think we don't like a yeah. CVT. Well, Deep is, is really true. He's not I happy about it. I yeah. acknowledge that. But then you just look to the other space in the garage and jag. That, oh, that makes it all better. cleansing. Yes, excellent. Good. I like, I like where you are. I, look, the Civic Type R is a great, great call for you. I don't have any reason. I don't like the Veloster for you either. I think those are, are the lead. I have some others I want to throw at you. Because you are a guy who likes hardcore cars mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you want stick shift, what if you bought like a one-year-old Ford Focus RS? It's interesting. Now, that has a harsher ride than the Civic Type R, but I don't think it's really any worse than the Veloster. I mean, dear God, don't put it in track setting. You'll break your spine. But in the normal, it setting, mode. In the normal setting, it's actually... It's okay mm, because you're a hardcore good. guy. A lot of people are much more commuters, don't have a car like he's had or his history, and it's just going to be too harsh for them. But I think for Deep, it might be okay. So Ford Focus RS is an option. Mm, that is an option. I like Another that. one going the other direction, still getting you stick shift, but going more toward nice commuter. The Genesis G70, the two-liter with the stick. Oh, with the manual. That's right. Now, it's That's the right. two-liter engine. It's a much bigger car than you've had before. It's much more of a dad commuter car, but you can get it with the stick shift. 
It's got a good chassis. How it how it drove. We do like that car quite Hmm. a bit. So there's another one there. And I have three wild cards for you. They're wild cards for various reasons. Wow. The first wild card is a BMW E90 M3. Okay. Four door stick shift V8. Done. Hmm. Now it's going to drink gasoline heavily. But it is fantastic yeah. to drive. It yeah. is. It is. All three of the ones I've got coming are kind of like dad sleeper cars. Okay. 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 So that one's older, which is the problem there. Chevy SS. You've got forty-five grand to spend. Go get a, a six-speed Chevy SS. That is stealth personified. It should look cooler than it does. It's just a stealth mobile. Tons of power, great rotation. That is a car that anytime I've driven it, I know I haven't talked about it in a while, but I've talked about it plenty. Anytime I've driven it, including on the track, I've always thought this is so much better than it appears. Mm. And so much better than sedans in general are today. Mm -hmm. There's very few that are that good. And you get it all. Stick shift, it's going to be reliable because it's Chevy. Yes, it's used, so that's a problem there. The other one that I have that you could do new, but the reason it's on the wild card list is it's not available in the manual. Get yourself an Alpha Julia. If only that thing came with a manual, honestly, I think more that enthusiasts would gravitate towards it. It might be Deep's car if it came in a manual. You and I have gotten a lot of debates from a lot of people asking for the commute, but is there a manual sedan? And so mm-hmm. we keep gravitating back towards V8-powered cars. Yeah. If they brought that that's not a, ma- or a V8, mm-hmm. so the, the gas mileage is still kind of viable. Well, I, honestly, Alpha, I, I think, FCA, if you're listening... Mm-hmm. I think it would be, even now, I think it would be a wise move. If you get anything except for the Julia Quadrifoglio, you have the same two-liter turbo. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. the stats are not impressive. What's interesting is how eager and how much power they have gotten out of that engine. It feels, you put it next to its competitors. We did it in the the Blue Cars episode. You put it against its competitors and you just go, this feels like a really good amount of power. You look at the stat and you go, really? That's the number? You can't drive the spec sheet. I haven't really said is. that in years, but it's that still was true. That was what we found at the show on. So I love your choices. I I mean, you're right. They're they're not workable for various reasons, and they're more they're a little more used, but they're still very viable and deep. Be very fun. I wouldn't shy away from them because of that. Honestly, I love that E90. Still do. I know you do. Soft spot for that car. Really I do. think the only reason you don't own one is because you're very concerned about the gasoline bills. But yeah. I, but but I'll put this to you this way. I doubt it drinks any more gas in your Quattroporte. Probably so. And the and the transmission is not going to grenade itself without warning. Anything I'm just sounds it out better there. starting anyway. It's just, just put it out there. That's interesting. Maybe maybe the, when the Quattroporte goes, you should look at an E90. That's not a bad idea. They're yeah. like twenty five grand. I know. I know. Dang it. We're longtime users and big believers in Griot's Garage car care products. That's because while many other brands are just rebranded versions of the same few products, Griot's Garage has developed, manufactured, and bottled bespoke car care products since 1990. In fact, many of their first customers were collector cars displayed at Pebble Beach. Griot's is a family company based in Washington State, still dedicated to having the best products for every car and every budget. As a matter of fact, I learned my certified Paul own car care style from Griot's. We've both used Griot's Garage car care products on our own cars for over 20 years, and we wouldn't use anything else. If you're wondering how to get going, they offer free training and techniques through their videos and website and starter kits to help your car look its best. Griot's Garage products are 100% guaranteed, and all liquid products are made in the USA. They offer a 100% lifetime guarantee, so give them a try. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, use the code EVERYDAY for 10% off your order. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. 
So jump into audience questions here. First of all, from Devin Larrabee asking on Facebook about his mom's Lincoln Town car. You haven't heard Lincoln Town car forever, haven't you? Not in a while. She went to the Boston Auto Show, and most of the cars she sat in either weren't nice enough or weren't big enough. And she wants another giant boat of a sedan with a cloud-like ride, no SUVs, no hatches, much to his disappointment and chagrin. What are, what are our suggestions? Lexus might be for her. Welcome to Lexus. I see it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on in. We'll show you the ES. We'll show you the LS. If you want, if you want a big boat, you want to throw down. Yes, yes. LS would be great. Be LS great is that, yeah. the floaty barge that is. I mean, we don't gravitate towards it for that reason, but it does serve an, a market, and totally. people buy it like crazy. So, if you could convince her, I say Kia Stinger. Mm. If if you could, mm-hmm. it's going to have a little bit of spice to it, but she doesn't have to drive it that way. She can just. You know, do her Lincoln Town car thing in a stinger. Lexus would work. You got, the thing about Lexus is they keep running forever. They do. And so they what's do. her budget? How old does she want to go to match her budget? You could get one brand new, two years old, five years old, ten years old. Just go get a Lexus. Look, I, I think it works. I mean, in in what world is a stinger not big enough? Yeah, because you're in the back seats. That's the only reason. Yeah. Otherwise, it's plenty big. I mean, yeah, I yeah, thought yeah. of G70 as well, but I'm thinking, well, that car is too small. What world am I in? That's very funny, yeah. <laughs> it's very funny. Ray Davis wrote in on Facebook. We almost answered this by accident right up front, Dave, but I want to talk about this. Your wife currently drives a 2010 Yukon XL, which means the GMC Yukon, that's actually a Suburban. Mm, that's what that yes, means. So it's Suburban-sized. Yes. She She's decided it's too big. They're going to replace this car anyway, but she's, she's saying, I don't want something this big again. They have three kids. They need something roomy. They've had the same driving experience, GMC, for six years. That means they're looking for a seven-passenger car, seven-passenger SUV, CUV, but we're not going full monster body on frame. Their preference right now, the ones they like the most, are the Subaru Ascent and the Honda Pilot. Mm. He's saying, what do we think of those, and are there any others they should drive? Uh, Both of those are fine. I would not put either of those in the wow, get one of those category. Mm -hmm. They, They do everything you're asking for. I just don't think they're interesting enough to drive, to be in, et cetera. You need to go drive the Kia Telluride or the Hyundai Palisade. Which do you prefer in styling, both inside and out? Now, those are successful enough. This is what happens, by the way, when cars are good. They have trouble finding enough of them for everyone. So I know there's wait lists on the Kia Telluride. I know there are, but go shop those cars. They are excellent in the seven-seaters. While you're at it, I think for comparison purposes, you should drive the Mazda CX-9, it is a little mm-hmm. smaller so, sure. on the, on the sure. seven-seater size, but it's also very good to drive. But I really wonder, in the world of the Telluride and the Palisade, if you don't like those more than what you're already looking at. No kidding. All right. On Twitter, Brian Wilson asks about two questions, as a matter of fact. First of all, when buying a car, are we more concerned with the year of the car or the mileage? Second question is, where was the Middles, Middles episode filmed? He'll be visiting Utah in June. As a matter of fact, that was California. Yeah, Middles was shot <laughs> just outside Palm Springs. Yeah. All right. So buying a car, we're concerned more with the year of the car than mileage. Well, I've long said that it's not the mileage, it's the maintenance. Agreed. Agreed. So if a car has been really well maintained, heck, Todd bought Spot the Mini. It was an 05 with almost 200,000 miles on it. And the entire, what, supercharger had been disassembled yes. and lovingly hand-polished. and The prior owner... I love this story. Dave's a great guy. The prior owner 
had one of those garages that is cleaner than any part of my house has ever been. Okay? One of the when I saw well, his cleaner garage, than your kitchen, you're like Yeah, when I saw his yeah. garage I was like I'm buying this car. I don't even need to see the car. Yet. I'm buying this car. He <laughs> meticulous. But when he when he got rid of well he quit driving spot, his car to replace it was an FRS that he oh, drove year right. round. That's right. And he was a guy that he's he's tracked for years. He's a good track driver. So this is what who he is. So he put as his winter project, he put Spot up on his four-post lift. This is this guy. Golly. And his winter hobby project was taking apart and rebuilding the supercharger of Spot the Mini. Like, did he polish each vein of the... He may have, because that thing screamed. As Evan knows, they actually recently got rid of it, but as Evan knows, that thing screamed. So, yeah, you got to find somebody wow. who has taken good maintenance of their car. I don't care about the year. I don't care about the mileage. Mm-hmm. I want to know how was this car treated. Yep. And uh, that, that answers it for sure. Long thought that. Uh, Matthew Hickey, how do you define, how do we define hot hatch? Mm. Power to weight, handling, steering, feel, all three. We've, you're, we have used, we have, Matthew, we've talked about hot hatches. We've talked about lukewarm hatches. What's the dividing line? It is a car-by-car basis. I don't know that I can give you a list of stats, but let me give you some things to think about. First of all, hinges at the top of the back trunk. The, the has, hinges way it, up at the top. It does, not in the middle, not the bottom. It does have to be a hatchback. We have to start at there. The top. Both Luke and hot hatches, Luke Warman hot hatches, yes. both are hatches. That's a very good point. Yes. Uh, first off, it has to have excellent turn-in. It has yeah. to have good rotation. So a lot of times, the ones that, not always, a lot of times the ones that have really good rotation will tripod. When you turn them in really hard, they'll lift a back wheel because yeah. the suspension is stiff enough and the, and the sway bars and all that. That's not a requirement, but that's often the case. So immediate turn in needs to be turbo. General, yeah, generally. Yeah. Because that creates that power band. Fiesta ST is a great example. That creates that power band where right in the middle of the meat of the RPMs is where it has all its power. It may lose sure. its breath up high or down low, but it's got plenty of punch in the mid-range. This is not hard and fast, but I think it generally has to be over 200 horsepower. Now, the Fiesta ST is just under, but generally over 200 horsepower. And for me, the lighter, the better. For sure. And, and definitely handling comes into play here and steering feel. And it's just... The steering feel in a hot hatch means all the weight is up over the front wheels, okay? So sometimes steering feel can go away. It kind of depends on the car and how it's set up, and that's what's so amazing about a Fiesta ST. Mm -hmm. All the weight, everything, all the back wheels do is hold the back end of the car off the ground from scraping. That's all they do. Yeah. Everything else, and that the most expensive part of the car is the A-pillar and the firewall because that is the thing that has to be crash tested. Mm -hmm. So you make any changes to that... Big, big tooling changes, big, you know, recrash testing standards, all that kind of stuff. So all this weight is up over the front of the wheels, which you have to come to a car that you like. Yeah. But when car manufacturers invent the steering knuckle that does this and it turns better and it overcomes the weight and all that kind of stuff, then you know you're getting into something because they wouldn't engineer that kind of thing for a front-engine, rear-wheel drive car. They just wouldn't. True. And I also think, watch our Lukewarm Hatches TV episode or our YouTube Fast Blast piece where we were shocked to find that a, a new Toyota Corolla XSE was something Paul actually liked. Watch <laughs> either of those because those are ones talking about lukewarm hatches. The interesting dividing line there, if you want to think about it, is those were all under 200 horsepower, and they have a softer suspension, more equipped for commuting than for hooning. Robert Giacomelli asks... If it's possible, Ford is still using designs that are extremely similar 
to those from previous brands they owned. I like it. For example, the last-gen Explorer and Flex always looked like Range Rovers. The new Escape looks kind of like the Aston Martin DBX side window. The DLO is what that's called. Mm-hmm. The current Fusion rear looks suspiciously like a Jaguar XF rear. And if you look at certain areas, he sees similarities in the newer Mustang and newest Vantage in the grille shapes and headlights. Okay. And he says, looking at the Jag I-Pace and the Mach-E, the rear doors both extend awkwardly past the rear wheel. They've got similar hatch shapes. Keep in mind, Robert, that all the designers at all the car companies are consuming all the same car content that you and mm-hmm. I are. Mm-hmm. They're looking at everything. They're looking at all the sites. They're watching all the videos. They are consuming everything too. And hi, if you're a designer and you're listening, hi, welcome. I'm glad you <laughs> glad are. Glad to have you here. Yeah, for sure. And so if you are a designer and you're listening, correct me if I'm wrong, but designs and sketches can be pulled back out of drawers. For a project, there's mm-hmm. initial concept sketching phases. There's refinement phases. And sometimes managers might say, you know, I like this. It's not suited for the direction we're going with this or what management needs. Yeah. But let's pull that back out. Old sketches can be pulled back out. And mm-hmm. sketches that might be two years old might still be relevant and new enough looking and relevant looking enough that they might be used for future. That happens to wheel designs all the time. Mm-hmm. Hey, you remember that wheel design that you did that was, I can't remember, but it was cool and you did it for this one car two years ago? Where's that sketch? Mm-hmm. Let's make mm-hmm. that now yeah, because it's now yeah. better suited for the project. Relevant for whatever, yeah. This happens. It's not just, well, we're completely moving on. All those sketches and drawings are archived. Interesting point. And they can yeah, pull things back out. So they're also looking, everybody's looking at everybody else. Like yeah. Lincoln is looking over at Range Rover too. Going, yes, they are. Well, that looks nice. Um, maybe we do something like that. So you can see influences, but again... They're always worried about maintaining their brand presence and their brand corporate look. Mm -hmm. But what can we do to maintain that market or kind of not copy is the wrong word, but sort of invest in the market that's popular. So a a boxy squarish looking thing kind of means a luxury Range Rover or luxury Mm -hmm. SUV. Think Cullinan things, a not good looking box, but (laughs) that says big luxury, imposing money, those mm-hmm. kinds of shapes mm-hmm. say certain things. Long roof lines and long straight rockers indicate that's a luxury car that, you know, you ground it with yeah, your lines. Yeah, yeah. So you have, everybody's always looking at everything. And so for, for people to take influence from something, not surprising, everybody yeah. does it. But then how do you work it into your own brand? And how do you put your own twist on it to make it new and creative and fresh and fun? But it's easy, you know, if you're looking, you can spot like, yeah, you were looking at that. (laughs) You could tell. Here's another good example. Henrik Fisker, when he was starting out, he was into coach building and rebodying the Mercedes SL Mm -hmm. and the BMW 6 Series. He had just left Aston Martin. Look at the fronts of those cars. It's sort of like, you're right. Well, those are just BMW Aston Martin. (laughs) You just do this for Aston Martin. That's very funny. You can see that. So everybody's looking. That's why. Filmmonger asks us on Instagram, he says, hang on, uh, I think you're actually asking me. He has a BRZ, it sounds like, or an FRS, one of the two, one of the 86 uh, chassis. He just installed Firehawks, Indy 500 Firehawks all the way around. Saw this. This is what you've two got. Two yeah. ago. He's a bit disappointed. Now, I'm wondering, do you ha- you say Firehawks, do you have the Indy 500? Because, I mean, Firehawk also has a lot of other subcategories. So mm-hmm. I don't know which one you went. I have the Indy 500 Firehawk, whatever they are, on my Lotus and actually really like them. Now, the Lotus is difficult to buy tires for. I didn't want something as extreme as the Yokohamas that come on it because I wanted to, I don't know, drive when it rains. So uh, that, that's why I went with those. And, and also keep this in mind. The Lotus has Firehawks on it, and it's very, very light. 
So I have I have known other people with Firehawks who found the sidewalls to be soft. When a car weighs nineteen hundred pounds, uh, your tire wall can be a noodle. There doesn't matter. Okay, mm-hmm. so I'm not going to overpower the sidewalls on that uh, on that tire. So. All of these are factors. It is a car-to-car thing. You're disappointed. You've asked a lot of questions. You said you feel like the grip was definitely better than the cheap stock tires. Again, we're back to FRS, BRZ. That's a low bar. But you've had Michelin Super Sports before, and you don't think these are as good. You're right. They're not as good. <laughs> also, the uh, Super Sports have got really, really good sidewalls, So, uh, and I've always loved the turn-in on those. When I had those on my FRS, it was revelatory, and to the point that you and I liked them better than the good years you had on your Cayman at the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. So if you can swing the Michelins, get the Michelins. I'm not even going to argue, but the Firehawks are a great alternative. You've also asked the question of, could it be your car needing an alignment? And my answer to you is, yes, it could. Mm. Because sure. now the Lotus is an extreme example, but the Lotus is unbelievably affected by bad alignment and balance. Like the car will sure. hop; it does. It's really quite violent. Once I got the the alignment dialed in on my car, totally different car to drive. I at one point didn't have it dialed in, and was like, "This is not right." It took a couple <laughs> tries. True, truly. The, the amount of grease between the gear cogs and the steering Everything is a little low today. Car. The alignment's off. <laughs> so, I would say definitely go get an alignment on your current tires. But if they're not working for you, yeah, they're not going to be as good as as the Super Sports or Michelin product. So you may want to go higher up. Scott the Moss asks about driving enthusiastically in your own car, and he says, "Does any thought go into making the brakes and or tires last longer?" Sure, when you know you're paying for them and you want them to last longer, of you course. You think of it and then consume them. <laughs> you think, all right, but you know I'm having too much fun, so eh, screw it. Now, <laughs> he's fortunate his commute sometimes includes the Angeles Forest, but his 335 IS convertible goes through brakes like, and he says, insert joke here. I think I've got it. Mm. His BMW goes through brakes like Volkswagen employees go through Curryverst. You know the sausages at the factory. Okay, so isn't there? Aren't there? Isn't there entire town, Volkswagen town? There's Wolfsburg. Exactly. Isn't yeah. It just that's all that's like, there is just Volkswagen. Wolfsburg goes through Currywurst. Wow. Okay. Bravo. Uh, also, Scott, I want to say while we're there, uh, we have heard lots of stories over the years. BMWs eat tires and brakes when driven hard. They do. I They're mean, designed just to do take, that. Take take your car. It is a weight thing. It is, and they consume it. I'll give you the, the counterpoint. One of the reasons that the Lotus is cheap to run as a track car. Guys are going through multiple track days and not trading tires and brakes mm-hmm. because the car doesn't weigh anything, right, so it doesn't right. consume as fast. So, you, so you're, that's always going to be a factor. If you're driving a car hard out, you're on Angeles Forest, that means you've got a lot of downhill stuff. You've got a lot of fast stuff. Yes, you're going to chew through consumables. If you had a lighter car, it would consume less. doesn't mean to go get a lighter car. But I also know we've known multiple people who, when they track their BMWs or they drive them very hard, it just saws through stuff. This is the pay-to-play thing. It's just the nature of it. I mean, that's why Porsche's, you know, the toe in on the back. That's why they handle so great. But, you know, they're chewing through those big tires. So, yeah, for sure. Travels with George J says, uh, what do we think is an example of a car that was beautiful but wasn't a great car? Alpha 8C? Yes, that's a good one. Aston Martin 177. Another really good one. You're, you're, you're doing well. I loved that car. Mm-hmm. I still love that car, but I, I just heard the transmission was just a little breaky. <laughs> this is good, but it's a little breaky. It's a little fragile. I actually think, I actually think the Fiero is a good-looking car. 
It was on my mind because of Shop and Fire. That's earlier. good. I think I it was like a good-looking car from its time, yeah. but it was never really a good car. I, I, when they yeah. made it in 86 and they were refining it and actually gave it the, the slant back and all that sort of looked more like a Ferrari uh, 360. Uh, yeah, you're right. Really that was cool. cool. looked really fun. So there's that. I also think, while I'm on Pontiac, the Solstice Coupe. I would own a Solstice Coupe right now. That looks great. It's a phenomenal-looking yeah. car. It doesn't drive as good as it looks. Now, in the GXP version with the turbos, it's pretty good. The interior is <laughs> shockingly plasticky. Uh, the, yeah, but, but I, I would I would own one right now. I think they're fantastic. Plastically shocking. But they're they were never quite as good as they looked. Yeah, man. If yeah, well. There's an, a niche now that the Corvette's mid-engine, mm-hmm. and they need a smaller. I've said it before. Little Corvette kind of model, but it's not a Corvette. Be the Corvette Solstice. They could look back at that and say, "Let's update that." For that the, becomes the eighty again. I'm 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 ranting again on Corvette cool. as a sub-brand. Make your mid-engine car 150. Do your what is the C7 front engine for 60 or 70? I know that the mid-engine is there now, and make your FRS or Z car fighter at 30. Call it the solstice. Have a nice day. Figgy Mark asks if there's any recommendation, recommendations for websites to buy the double DIN radio and trim piece to update an out-of-date oh. stereo. Well, we don't know what car it is. And he says, Crutchfield seems to have good options. Yeah, I bought from Crutchfield. But anywhere else I should be looking. That is Skosh. Try Skosh. Oh, yeah. Check out those guys. Yeah, they've got a ton of that stuff. Yeah. For sure. Barbara right. Peterson says, uh, Barbara's been listening for a while. She says, an R8... Oh, yeah, this. great question. Is an R8 a good choice for first-time autocross experience, or would it lead to frustration wishing for more spirit of driving like at a place like Speed Vegas? Barbara, if you've, uh, I'm going to ask two questions here, and I think, I think the question clarifies, but I'm going to walk through it. Have you never autocrossed before, and have you never driven an R8 before? Oh, yeah. I don't think this is a good double first-time experience. Here's a McLaren on the Nürburgring. Go. The, Be fast. Nice Look good. Yeah, exactly. Win. Smile. Say don't good hit things. things. Live, yeah. Uh, Don't the, die. The R8 is very fun. It, it does It does kind of lend itself to kind of a long leg scenario, and that's not autocrossing. Autocrossing, you want something small, light, quick to handle. Now, the R8, don't get me wrong. I think you'd enjoy driving the R8, period. But I, I suspect you would have a better day in a Miata than an R8 to try autocross for the first time. I think you might have a better day in something like a Honda Fit. For sure. The first time doing sure. autocross than something like an R8 because of scale and because of rotation and everything is, is low speed. The R8 you want to take on a nice road trip or a track that's got some room to run just to feel. You want almost like fast sweepers in an R8 and not really tight stuff that an autocross yeah. does. Yeah. I say try an autocross with the proper car and then get a chance to drive an R8 somewhere else. You Know Nothing I Flow asks, what was the biggest automotive letdown you were previously excited to test drive or own? Well, definitely in the test drive category, the 7th generation Volkswagen GTI. The Lexus RC and RCF mm. and the Nissan 350Z. I hate to say it, but just a bit of a letdown. I mm. call the back end like melted ice cream, and nobody really seemed to like that comment. I tried it out, but... There are a lot of 350 fans out there. Yeah, yeah they threw things at me, but that's okay. Guys, thanks for your questions. Really, really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, keep asking. We're uh, podcasting on Mondays and Thursdays for release on Tuesdays and Fridays. As you know, send us your questions, your debates, and we're definitely looking forward to next time. Thanks, everybody. Cheers.